0: Welcome to Making Lemonade. I'm Wit, and I'm Kels. And we started this podcast to bring connection and support to this community. We know that every single person goes through tough situations in life, and we wanted to help share stories of those situations to help others not feel so alone. We are not therapists or doctors. Our opinions are our own. The opinions expressed by the guests on each episode is their own and doesn't necessarily share our same views. You can find information and resources shared by each guest in the episode notes or on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening.
1: back. It's season three with Wit and Kelts. Me and Kelts are so excited to start this new year off with a good story. Mm-hmm. How have you been, Kelts?
0: So good. How have you been? Good. Good. We had a good Christmas break. Good, good. How about you? Oh, it's always a party, right? Always.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, today you guys get to hear a story from my cute friend, Courtney, and she is going to tell us all about... Um, her divorce that she went through with her narcissistic ex-husband and kind of how their story happened and how she's doing now. So I don't know. I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just like hearing what people go through and kind of how they came on the other side, made lemonade out of their women's.
0: I mean look at us on this podcast. And yeah. I mean, her story is incredible. She's yes. amazing. And I could have listened to her all day. I so. know.
1: Yes. She made some great lemonade guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting us. I can't even believe we're on season three. I know. Really? Like
0: right. I'm pumped. Yep. It just keeps getting better. Yes. We love it. So thank you guys so much.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And we hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Hi, Courtney. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. So good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Why don't you tell us where your story begins?
2: Well, I guess the probably the easiest part to start with is honestly just when um, my ex and I started dating. I feel like up until that part of my life, I had never really experienced any sort of like trauma or like negative relationship. I've been I was very blessed my whole life to not have to deal with a lot of stuff like that. So, realistically, that's kind of the start of everything. We my ex and I met online um through mutual. It's like a LDS dating app. And he lived in Washington at the time, and we just started talking. The thing the first thing that like really attracted me or attracted that I liked about him, sorry, was that, um, he played the piano. And when I was a little girl in like young women's, I just remember, um, like we did an activity and we had like a temple picture and we had to write on the back, like certain things that we really wanted in them in a spouse. And one of mine was, I want a man that plays the piano because I've always loved to listen to the piano. It's very soothing and very like just therapeutic to me. And, he was a phenomenal piano player. He played the piano, he played the organ, so musically inclined. And it was just very attractive. And it was like the first thing that stood out. And this started back in like 2018 and may we met online and we started talking and I mean, he lived a couple of States away, so we didn't really have the opportunity to like meet up until he was coming to town for, um, in July for the Prestonite rodeo because his little sister was a rodeo queen and she was a queening and at the rodeo. And so that was when we had our first date. And honestly, like it was, it was really good. We had a, a really good connection. We, we walked around the carnival for a little while and then we went and got ice cream and just were able to talk. We had a lot of even though like we lived so far apart because I knew a lot of people in Preston and his family was from Preston. I like, we had a lot of people in common that we knew. And so like, it just felt really natural. We had like a very easy connection at first and that night, like we talked and like, we really hit it off. Honestly, like it was so easy. And I remember like, I don't think that, I think that we sat in my car and talked until like two or three in the morning, just like a conversation. And, and he was leaving in the morning to go back to Washington. And it was kind of like, Oh my gosh, like, I really like this guy. Like, why is he so far away? (laughs) But so he left and we continued talking and we talked for like another month. And then his sister, once again, was, uh, the rodeo queen and. Uh, Burley, where he was originally from. And so in August during like the Burley Fair and Rodeo, um, I went to Burley and met up with him. And because of like the events, I like met his family because obviously they were all there to watch his sister. And we just really hit it off. Like it was, it was so easy. I was there in Burley for like two or three days. I spent the night um, at his old neighbor's house with his family and there's a couple of his friends there and like it just it was it was so fun and we had such a good time and like during Burley during that trip he like decided to come in like literally the next weekend I don't remember what I had but I had something going on and so he bought a plane ticket to come from Washington to Utah, uh, the very next weekend. So it was either the, the last ish weekend in, in August. And he came for like three days and like the only person that knew was my sister, Danny. And I went and like picked him up and then like, I introduced him to my other sister and then I brought him to my parents' house and my parents had no idea that he was coming. They knew that he, like he existed because I had, talked about a lot about him and they were excited to meet him because I was really happy. And so it was just kind of fun, like just kind of showed up. And honestly, we dated for, not for a super long time, but because he was far, like there was weekends that I would fly down to Washington. And over Labor Day, I went to, we went to Seattle together and, honestly, like it was just really fun. He flew up here a couple of times and I mean, pretty quickly we connected and I mean, we, we really liked each other. So from like May to September, we like, I mean, I probably saw him like every other week and he was far away, but I saw him all the time. And so we like, I mean, we just kind of really started dating in September. He, started talking about like getting married. And I mean, I was 25 and I was at the time, I didn't really think anything of it. Like I was excited that I had found somebody that I wanted to be with and that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And so we talked about getting married and in, um, I didn't know this, but in September he actually went ring shopping Uh, with his best friend at the time. And he went and bought a ring and like, I had no clue. And I found out in October when I had gone down to his parents' house in Washington for general conference that he had a ring. But that was kind of like the start of when things started getting like a little rocky. I definitely started like seeing things that I hadn't noticed before and seen like different sides to him that I just had never seen before. And so that weekend was, was really hard. We, we watched general conference together. And then I remember going to a pumpkin patch and he had asked me to like dress up and so I was like, oh, my gosh, like, is something going to happen? Like, I knew that he hadn't talked to my dad yet, and I was not okay with him proposing without that. And so, like, I kind of, like, told him that. And I was like, uh, like I don't know what's going on, but, like, if this is what is happening, like, I- I'm not okay with you proposing to me before you ask my dad. And I don't know if that made him mad or – but, like, I we went to this pumpkin patch, and it was me and – him, his two best friends and his little sister came with us. And it was the cutest pumpkin patch. Like it was so, there was a corn maze and like, it was just really fun. And he ignored me the whole time. He wouldn't talk to me. I like asked him to like take a picture with me. Cause like he was taking pictures of like me and his two girlfriends. And like, I was like, will you take a picture with me? And he refused. And like, just... just flat out ignored me and like was rude to me and would talk to like his two girlfriends, but would not talk to me. And I was offended and I was mad. So we got back that night to his house and I confronted him about it. And I was like, like, what the heck? Like, why, what's going on? And he just completely like lost it. I don't remember like what, Happened, I don't remember if like he yelled at me or whatnot, but all I remember is him reach like running basically away up to his room. He lived um, with his parents above their garage. There was like a loft up there. And so he went up there and went to sleep. And it was like probably like six o'clock at night. And I'm like in a place that I'm staying with them at their house. And I'd been there at least once or twice before then, but like I'm like, I, I was so awkward. I was like, I don't know where to go, what to do. So I sat at the top of the stairs, not going in his room. And I sat there for hours and I just cried. And I, I fell asleep on the stairs. And then like, probably like eight or nine o'clock, I went up, I like finally got up and like went and woke him up and he just wouldn't talk to me. So I finally went to bed and I just left and went downstairs. And so that was kind of like, I feel like the, I mean, there was little things that had happened before then, but like, that was the first experience that I was like, what the hell is going on? Like I'm in a place that I don't know anybody. And I literally, I couldn't do anything. I didn't have a car. I like, I had nowhere to go. So I just sat there and I didn't want to involve his parents. Like, what was I supposed to do? Go downstairs and be like, he's being a butthole. Like, (laughs) what do you do? So I just was like, okay. And so I just went to bed and I remember waking up and him just pretending like nothing had happened. And I was like, wow. And I remember coming home, my, my aunt picked me up from the airport then like a day or two later. And I remember her asking me like, how did it go? And I was like, well, it was interesting. Like, and I just remember telling her the story and she was like, okay, like, that's kind of weird. And I was like, yeah, but we just, I guess we kind of moved on from it. And I just didn't really think about like the fact that it wasn't normal for us to like talk about what happened. Like we just moved on from it. So we moved on (laughs) in, um, in October, like during that month he showed up in Utah. I did not know he was coming. He surprised me one weekend. And, uh, like I, I ref volleyball for Utah state. And so he just showed up at the game, And I was so confused because I like saw him in the crowd and then I was like, I like had to take a double take because it was like my area. Like he should not have been there, but like he surprised me, which was great and wonderful. But I was like, oh my gosh, that's him. Like I just remember like thinking that was so sweet and such a kind gesture, like him coming up and he spent a couple of days um, looking for a job because he had decided that he was going to move up here at that point. And he found a job pretty quickly and then in november he moved up here and he lived with his grandparents in in preston so i mean from really from like july to november all of this happened and it just was it was quick but it it felt like romantic like going from state to state and always finding each other and trying to like spend as much time with somebody who was so far away and little did I know there was just so much other things that were going on. And so in November, we, um, we had like Thanksgiving with his family. We had Thanksgiving with my family. And then in December we ended up going to his parents' house for Christmas. And that's when he proposed to me. And like, um, Did he get your dad's permission? Yes, he did. Oh, good. Yeah, he did. He he had asked probably in like November ish. So I know that he talked with my dad, and I don't know a ton of that. I've actually never asked my dad about that. I should. I don't know if I want to ask him. My dad has so much hate for him. It might bring up bad memories for my dad. But did your parents know about?
0: what had happened in Burley or was it Burley? Where was it? Washington. 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 Yeah.
2: Okay. Mm, no, not really. I okay. didn't talk about, I really honestly didn't talk about it with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, once he moved here in November, like they saw the way that like he treated me. Um, he was like, he, he was not a touchy feely person. So like we didn't hold hands. We didn't really cuddle. Um, he would like kiss me, but only very rarely. And for a long time, he said it was because he like, he didn't want anything to happen between us because he's like, if we were to start making out and like things bad happened, then like what would, what would happen? So like for a long time, I thought it was, I thought it was really kind of him Mm -hmm. because it was like, Oh, he's just watching out for us. But like, I mean, I mean, he just was, he was very cold towards me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I never talked with my parents about it. And honestly, like I never talked with them about it until the end. And so I didn't really know that they had realized like red flags and things that were going on. He like one time we were at church and like in the middle of sacrament, he just like up and left and he had taken me to church that day And so I was like, okay, like, I guess I'm going to have to figure out a way to get home, which is fine. Like, it's not that far from church. But like, I just remember like being so embarrassed, like he publicly got up and left in front of everybody. So everybody in the whole chapel saw that he was mad for some reason. I don't even remember why he was mad. And then like me then trying to figure out, okay, well now I'm going to have to ask somebody to take me home, which means like, once again, it's going to reaffirm that him and I are fighting And then I remember like reaching out to him and being like, can we talk? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, and him, he ignored me for like two or three hours. And that was probably the only time that I really talked with my parents about something because my parents had come home from church and I was like sobbing on the couch. And they were like, what's going on? And I told them like, I don't really know what's going on. And my dad's like, well, you should talk about it. And I was like, I'd love to talk with him about it, but he refuses to talk to me. So that was probably like, the first time that like my parents really saw or at least that I know of like I said I think my parents knew what was going on but what do you say to somebody in that situation like who says that they're in love and that they're so happy and like I thought I was and I, to be fair I was in love and I and at the time I that's what I thought happiness was and so I mean that's just what it was.
1: Yeah. And I well, I also feel like to validate that you didn't know, like, yeah, this is your first big, big relationship. And sometimes even like as married couples now, I mean, we've been married 15 years. We're still figuring stuff out sometimes, you know? Yeah. So to figure out disagreements together, maybe the way he was raised versus the way you were raised, like you talked out and he didn't, you know, just trying to figure out that middle ground. And you're like, why does he not want to talk to me? Yeah. You know, Um, I don't know. But did that just... Did you ever feel like a red flag with that? Or you're just like, oh, we'll figure it out. It's just weird.
2: A hundred percent. I felt a red flag about it, but it was like, I just tried to ignore it because it was like, but I'm happy. Mm -hmm. I always did the, the what ifs and the buts and, or we can figure it out later. Like, and so I definitely, especially like when you said, families do different things like my family is is pretty open like we if we have issues we talk about it yeah and like i remember like my parents like when i was little like my dad never raised his voice at my mom like they if they had an issue like they would talk about it and figure it out and we would move on well his family was very different like he came from a family that yelled at each other and screamed and fought and you know probably threw arms and punches and stuff and so like for me it was kind of like well he's not doing any of that so i guess like it is kind of a win so yeah there was definitely red flags that i saw but i a hundred percent chose to ignore them yeah so
1: i think love does that to you though uh yeah you know
0: you kind of like no it's not that bad it's okay Mm -hmm. So then you get like confusing things like people telling you, well, you should work through your problems. You should work through your issues. So you get like, that would always confuse me sometimes like Mm -hmm. in friendships or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'll work through this issue with them when really it's like, no, that's a huge red flag. That's not an issue. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Or, and like, or he would say things like the other thing was, is, I mean, there was certain things that he was, he was very open about. Like he told me all the time, like, he would, he had always been left. Like nobody ever loved him. Mm-hmm. And he was so grateful because I was willing to like love him for who he was. And so there was like, a, like a pride and like a, like a great joy in me that was like, I do love him mm-hmm. and I love him for who he is. And I'm not going to leave him just because it gets rocky mm-hmm. because everybody else has always done that. And so I just, I guess I got really stuck in that like cycle of like mm-hmm. wanting to be something for him that he needed and not realizing that being what he needed was absolutely destroying me and what in who I was.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like that you said that. I do
1: too. I, yeah. That's, that's a really big yeah. realization, I think, mm-hmm. because. It's almost like this gaslight thing for him to say that to you. Oh, like, everyone always leaves me. So it makes you feel guilty if you ever thought of leaving, but for you to recognize it's destroying you. you
2: I, I completely lost myself. Yeah. I mean, so this happened in 2018 and honestly up until 2021. So three years I was not Courtney. I was a completely different, broken, sad, depressed person. Yeah. And it took me a long time to realize that that's who I was. Yeah. I didn't, like, I thought that I was being everything that he needed. And like I said, I mean, it turned me into somebody that I wasn't and completely broke me.
1: Yeah. It's crazy how that happens, how you can shift into this person somebody wants you to be. Yeah. Or makes you to be. Without even realizing that you mm-hmm. lost yourself in the process, oh a hundred percent. Until no you clue. step out of it and be like, wow, like, I want myself back. You know?
2: Yeah. No, I had I had no clue. Yeah. That like the little things were changing, and like looking back, I can see it now. But in the moment, I, I had no clue. Yeah. So you guys get engaged. Yep. So we and get what engaged. Is your engagement in, in December. All that looked like. <laughs> Day. it was december 23rd um 2018 and it was a sunday and we had gone to church and after church he was like we should go for a drive we should go drive to the temple because they in washington there was because we were at his parents house so there was there's like a, tr- a temple that was like 15 minutes away from his parents house And so I was like, yeah, for sure. Let's go. I didn't think anything of it. Well, his little sister tried to get in the car to ride with us. And his dad was like, just take her home. And he was like, dad, like I, like I no, I'm not taking her home. And like between like the interaction that him and his dad had between that like fight, because then they started yelling at each other. I then realized like, Oh, something's going on. Like normally it wouldn't be an issue to just take his little sister with us. Like, I don't care. Uh, but then I was like, oh, something's, like, something's happening. So we, and he ended up taking, his dad ended up taking his sister home. And we ended up going to the temple and, like, we we got there and the gates were closed. So we just kind of sat right outside the temple and we're looking at everything. And um, he was sitting on, a like, a bench. And I was just standing right next to him. It was, he was, like, sitting on, something that was high. So like when he was sitting, we were like making eye contact with each other and he just started talking about how much he loved me. And like, he looked at me and he wasn't down on one knee and he looked at me and he's like, so should we do the damn thing? And I was like, what? And he's like, should we get married? And I was like, Oh, like, that's what this is like. This is what's going on. Like at first I didn't even really realize it. And I was like, yes. And like at the time, like I thought it was really cute and like funny. And now I'm, I was like, now I'm pissed. I'm like, you didn't even have the, like the decency to get down on one knee to ask me like, what well, a prick. <laughs> and to be like at
1: the temple and say a swear word. Right. i going to do the damn thing. Like, wait a
2: second. Yeah. Yeah. So we are like driving back to his parents' house and we get back and I mean, we tell everybody, I remember calling my parents and it just was like, it was awkward because like, I was excited to tell like my family and everything that was going on. And like, he refused to talk with me and tell them. And so I would just like, I went over into like his parents' room and like FaceTime my family. And like, it was just me by myself. Cause he wouldn't, he wouldn't be in there cause he didn't want to be. And it was like, I remember calling my friend Cassie and like, Honestly, she was pissed like and I should have listened to Cassie because Cassie and I had like a rocky relationship through this all because she did not like my ex. And like, I just remember her being like, "Yay! like, that's so exciting. And I just was like, are you happy for me? Like, and honestly, like there was so many people that like it was hard for them to be happy because they could they saw everything that I had gone through already. And I truthfully wasn't happy. So I told everybody by myself that I was getting or that I was engaged and like, I wanted to take a picture and post about it. And he was like, we're not taking a picture. You can't post about it. And I was like, we are taking a picture. Like I'm posting this on social media. And so we take a picture and I hate the picture. It is the most unflattering picture for both of us. And he refused to take any more. And so I was like, great. I get to post this ugly picture of quite literally both of us. Like he doesn't look good in it either. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm so happy to share this news. And like, I couldn't, he wouldn't want, he didn't want me to post about it until like after Christmas. So this happened on the 23rd. So I didn't really post about it until like the 27th. Like it was, it was just like, I felt like such a big experience and moment in my life, but I wasn't allowed to tell anybody about it. And I was, I was sad. Like it was, it was awkward. And it was just like, I just didn't feel like he was happy and excited about it. But at the same time, like he was trying to be happy and excited about it. And it just, it was awkward. So we come home, we had talked about getting married in like April and we had everything like set up pretty perfectly. Like it was my sister at the time lived in New York. And so, um, I like, kind of wanted to work around her schedule because it was obviously really important that she was there. And that was one of the only weekends that her husband, because of the schooling that he was going through could come. And he was like, we can't get married in April. And so, and his dad, for some reason had a large opinion about not only when we got married, but where we got married because his dad really wanted us to get married in the Logan temple. And I really wanted to get married in the Logan temple for the most part like most of the time, but my ex really wanted to get married in the Ogden temple. And like, I just came down to the point that it was like, you know what? Like if it's that important to him, like I was like, it can be important to me too. And it's like a temple is a temple. It doesn't really matter. But like his dad got like mad, like got mad at us. Like, I cannot believe you guys aren't getting married in the Logan temple. And then at that point, then I was mad and it was like, screw you. I'm going to do what I want to do because I don't give a crap what you think. And then it was like, I had to move the We moved the wedding to July and like all of this kind of stuff. And then my sister wasn't going to be able to come with everybody. And so her and her and her youngest just came, but I'm getting ahead of myself between then. Like just so many things happened. That's really, I, I honestly thought about calling off the wedding multiple times in between like December and July because of just things that happened. Like his dad getting mad was something that I was like, this is silly. Like this is something between you and I like, plus he had like no grounds to stand on. It wasn't like, it wasn't like he was mad because we were choosing to do it on like a day that he couldn't come. Like he was just mad because he didn't have a say in it or stuff like that. And it just was, it was really hard. And like I said before, at that point, there was like really, there was no like physicalness between him and I. Like he would maybe hold my hand every now and then. And he would hug me sometimes. And I would get a kiss maybe once a day, like a single peck, but we never made out. And he always told me, well, it's because I don't want to go too far. I don't want something to happen between us. And I, I knew that there, I knew that that was not okay, but how do you like, what do you say to that? When somebody, when you think that somebody's trying to like Stay pure, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, yeah, and so there was part of me that felt like it was like almost romantic, like, man, he loves me so much that he wants us to like be perfect for one of you, mm-hmm. one for one another, well, and the purity culture in our religion
1: is very, yes, like it's there, a hundred percent, and so it's probably one of those things you're like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna respect that because of how we are raised, uh-huh. you know. Um, so you said you almost called it off a couple of times. Like, did other people raise concerns with you during that time too? Or is it all just you thinking you might call it off?
2: Um, so the one person that definitely, um, like, so one of his best friends name, her name's Mackenzie, Kenzie. And Kenzie and I became really, really good friends, like super close. And honestly, like her and I talked and like she would, she wasn't afraid to say the things that like I knew, but I didn't want to hear. And because she was around us a lot, like she saw it like firsthand. And so she'd be like, you know, like somebody who you want to marry shouldn't treat you like this or shouldn't say these things to you. Because it wasn't just like the way that he treated me. Like um, he called me names and it wasn't always like the meanest names in the whole book, but like, he would call me just, he never would call me by my name. He'd always call me names. And, or he'd like belittle me in front of people or like I would go to grab his hand when we were walking somewhere and he'd like rip it away. So like everybody saw, like I'm not holding her hand and like, she would be like, like, that's not a way that your future spouse should treat you. And Like I agreed with her and I mean, multiple times, like I thought to myself, like, yeah, she's right. And, but you know, I just kind of ignored it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's kind of telling that's his, that was his friend first, right? Yeah. So for her to like really tell you that is a big deal. I feel like it's one thing if it's like someone on your team, on your side, Mm -hmm. you know, that's crazy. Yeah. So how did you justify that kind of stuff? You just thought he's just not a touchy feely person He just,
2: well, I think because of like what he went through as a kid and like experiences that he had shared with me, Yeah, like I knew that like physical touch was like traumatic to him. Okay. And so like, you just justified it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like a justification. That's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't call it off though. No, no. And in fact, so like the day that we were getting our engagement pictures, We, he was living in the apartment that we had like gotten for to live together in. And I had gone over to start getting ready and we got into like a huge fight. I don't know what it was about. I don't remember. Um, but I just remember him like literally calling me like fat and ugly and like calling me the worst names. And I was sobbing. Like, trying to get ready. I probably already had my makeup on and had to redo it. And, like, this is, like, an hour and a half before I'm supposed to go take engagement pictures with this man. And I have no clue why I stayed. I don't know. But I did. Mm -hmm. And we went and took pictures. And luckily, towards the end, like, my eyes stopped being so swollen. And so, like, the first pictures, I hate I look, I can see the, like, hurt in my eyes in those pictures. And it took a long time, like, during the pictures to, like, get myself into a good place. But then, like, it's hard to because, like, the photographer is asking us to, like, hold hands and walk and, like, cuddle up next to him and kiss him on the cheek. And, like, that wasn't things that we did. But, like, in front of the photographer, like, he was totally fine with it. And so it was just, like it felt like whiplash. Like, why are we okay with things now? But we haven't been before. So like, that was definitely one of the times that I like seriously thought about calling off the wedding. And then like a week or two before we were getting married, I started moving all of my stuff into the apartment and he refused to help me move my stuff. He was like, you can do it all by yourself. You're a strong, independent woman. And I'm like, yeah, who I'm getting married to a man who can help me with all this stuff. Like, that's that's like a normal thing for literally anybody. And so, like, I'm at my parents' house one day and I'm sobbing. My mom is helping me carry things up out to my car. And she's like, where is he? Why isn't he here helping you? And, he, and I was like, how, how do I look at my mom? I remember looking at her and being like, he won't help. And she was like, what? Like, why wouldn't he come and help? And I was like, I don't know, but he won't. And that was probably the only time that I remember my mom being like, Courtney, are you sure this is a good thing? Mm. And I was like, I don't know. And I really doubted it that day. But like invitations had been sent out and we were getting married the next week. And I was scared. The biggest thing about myself at that time period in my life was I was deathly afraid of what people would think of me. And like the judgment of, oh, she called off her wedding. I was afraid of that. And so a lot of the reason why I like went through with it at that point was honestly, probably because of that, because I was definitely afraid of what people would think. So July we get married and we go on our honeymoon and that is one of the most traumatizing things of my life is my honeymoon we never once were intimate with each other during our honeymoon we attempted once kind of really only kind of and he said like in the middle of it he was like i can't do this anymore like he he claimed that he was dizzy he's like i don't feel good i'm super sick i'm dizzy until so, like, he like left and he like went and got in the shower and I just laid on the bed and I, every single night of our honeymoon, I cried myself to sleep mm-hmm. because I was so excited to be able to like do everything that a honeymoon entails and like to be with somebody who I thought I loved and to do everything that I thought that I could do with them. And literally nothing happened. And it was Horrible. I remember like, not only like, did we not do anything, but like we, we stayed at this beautiful resort in Mexico and he would not get in the pool with me. So I, and I am a hot bodied person. So I'm like, I can't sit out in the sun. Plus it's July. Like it is hot. And so he sat in the sun all day long and I sat in the pool by myself all day long and it was horrible. It sucked. Like I had no good memories and I still don't have any good memories of that. And I remember coming home and like, I remember him talking to his mom. I think it was, it, it could have been when we were driving home from our honeymoon or like a couple of weeks later and him like telling his mom that he was, struggling and her being like, you should go to the doctor. Like, if you can't like perform like that, like you need to go to the doctor. Like there's something wrong with, like with that. And so, and like she reached out and like kind of talked with me about it. And so like she knew that we hadn't done anything, but like I hadn't told anybody, literally no one. And so he went to the doctor and the doctor talked with him about like some, performance issues and he was put on testosterone and he told me that the doctor said we're not allowed to do anything for three weeks. And I was like, okay. So then I just waited and three weeks passed and nothing happened. And three more weeks passed and nothing happened. And at this point it was like, it's been like a month and a half. Like nothing's gonna happen. And I and I and truth I cried myself to sleep probably the first four months of my marriage Mm.
1: and you didn't talk to anyone about this
2: no i didn't not until probably like november um i reached out to my sister danny about it
1: was that out of again your your fear of what people thought well at that
2: point i thought that it was me okay like i had put all of that on myself like I'm not good enough for him. I'm not pretty enough. And like, because at the time also he's, I mean, he's saying these things to me, like you're fat, you're ugly, you're this, you're that. And I'm like, well, then I'm like, I don't deserve it because like, I'm not good enough for him. And so I internalized all of that at first and like put that a hundred percent on myself.
1: Yeah. Ugh. And how did Danny respond? Was she able to help you through that?
2: Um, yes, a little bit, but like, I mean, she was like, Courtney, that's not normal. Like, that's not okay. Like she's like, <laughs> she's like, none of that happened when I got married. Like we were cats and dogs. Like we were just like happy and in love and I, all of this kind of stuff. And I, I don't remember, like, I remember that it, I was driving through Starting Canyon. I don't know why. I just like, remember, like, that's the moment that I was talking to her about it. And I just tried to justify it. Like I gave like any sort of reason. I have no, I couldn't tell you what they were under the sun for why it wasn't happening and why it was okay that it wasn't happening. Yeah. There's just those excuses. Yeah. Yeah. And like inner demons, like, I mean, when you're, when you're told and belittled so much, like at that point I was, I was not at my lowest, but I was really low. Yeah. And so like, you're not confident about yourself at that moment either. And so it's like why, like, why would I expect the best out of him if I can't even give the best right now? Yeah. And so, yeah, it was.
1: Yeah. When I think sex and intimacy in a marriage is so important, it's such a form of connection. It's not just about yeah, the sex the act part. Of it, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so being physical with someone you love is like you get all those what are those feelings? Mm -hmm. Yes. Endorphins. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and just, I don't know. I just feel like even when my husband and I are on the same level, like we need to go on a date. We need to be, Mm -hmm. you know, together more and have alone time because it is important. That connection is so important. Um, but as a newlywed, you know, and you're like, what's wrong with me? Why, why is this not happening? Why, you know, all those questions in your head and, like you said, you put it on yourself. So did you ever talk to him about that? Did you ever bring it up? All the time. Up? Yeah. yeah okay. I mean,
2: like, I I would be like, for a long time, like, I would ask, like, can we try tonight? Yeah. Like, can we do something tonight? Like, and it wasn't even like necessarily like, can we have sex? It was like, can we just like, make, make out? out? Like, yeah. Like, can we have fun? Like, can we have a normal relationship? Yeah. And Nothing. And that caused a lot of fights, like big, big fights. And like, he would scream and yell. And I never, ever saw that ever. Like I said before, my dad was, is one of the most even kill people I've ever met. And, he doesn't scream. He doesn't yell. He, it takes him years to get mad. (laughs) Like, it's just not my dad. He's, and so like, that's the only thing that I, at the time I could compare it to. And so I'm like thinking about like my parents' relationship and I'm like, like, it's not normal for us to fight and scream and yell. And we did. And I even told him, I'm like, this is, this is not normal. And he's like, it's normal for people to have arguments. And I'm like, yeah, but like, we're screaming at each other. Like I'm sobbing to the point that like, I'm getting migraines after this. Like I am like physically hurting myself basically because of the amount of anger that I have. And he's like, no, it's normal because that's what he was used to. He was used to seeing that between his parents. And it was like, this is not normal to the point that like at the beginning of 20 let's see when it would have been we got married in 2019 so it would have been the beginning of 2020 I was like there's something wrong with me so I went to the doctor and I like remember going in and that besides Danny that was the first time that I had opened up with anybody about being a virgin and I told my doctor what was going on and Um, like the amount of like anxiety and depression and like just the heaviness that I was feeling. And I got prescribed some anxiety medication. Um, I mean, we talked about like the birth control that I was on because it was, I felt like at the time I thought that the birth control was making me go crazy, Looking back there, it's, I mean, birth control has a lot of hormones in it, right? So there's certain things that it definitely can affect you. But like I blamed it all on the birth control for a long time. And so he had helped me like get on a less hormonal dosage of birth birth control and all that kind of stuff. And it just ultimately came down to the point that like, I mean, this was at the beginning of the year. So it's been like six months and I was like, we're not having sex. Why am I taking birth control if it's making me this anxious and then I was also prescribed anxiety medication at that point. Um, like a daily one that I took every day and then a situational one that I could take in a moment of like crisis. And I never ever before had any anything like that. Um, I'd never dealt with mental health or anything like that. I was very blessed for the first 25 of my years of my life to like be very stable and not have to, to struggle with that. But like, I was in the depths of it. And so, yeah. And that was at the beginning of 2020. And in February was the very first time that I found out that he was cheating on me. I didn't have access to his cell phone at all. I didn't know the password, which I thought was so weird. And I still to this day know that that was wrong. And so like that already caused me enough red flags and anxiety, but I had, I was not allowed to be on his cell phone ever. And, but I knew that there was something wrong. Like I could feel it because of all of the stuff that I was going through. But then the way that he was acting in situations, like I was like, this is just not right. Like he wouldn't come to bed at night. He ended up sleeping on the couch all the time. And like, he'd be gone in the morning. And I was like, there's just, there's something wrong. And so one day he was in the shower and his Apple watch was sitting out and his Apple watch wasn't passcoded. And so I could go through and look at the messages on his Apple watch. And I did, and I found images of somebody that, and like conversations and stuff. And it was like, heartbreak heartbreaking he left and went to work. He didn't take his like watch that day. And I had called my boss like right after he left. And I was like, I'm not coming in today. And I packed a bag and I was like, I'm done. I can't, I can't deal with this. Like not only am I not getting any of the, like the physical or the mental or any part of a marriage that like is good for somebody, but then he's also cheating on me. Like I cannot do this. And so I packed a bag, a huge suitcase full of my stuff and I left and I drove to my, I drove, I was driving to my parents' house and I think I I texted him as I was leaving and I was like, I'm done. Like, I want a divorce. Like I found, I sent him, oh, I sent him the screen. I took pictures of the stuff that I had found on his phone and I sent them to him and I was like, can you explain this to me? And so immediately like he like jumps on the like defense and like calls me and he's like I can explain and Like tries to justify everything and i'm like almost to my parents house because i'd lived in logan I was driving to smithfield And he was like, please just come and talk to me And so I turned around and I went and talked to him and I had told my parents that I was coming to their house I hadn't told them why but I had told them like i'm coming to your house like i'm done and he sucked me back in that day. He, I don't remember what he said a hundred percent, but I remember calling my mom and being like, you know what? Like, I think I overreacted like I'm okay. And I stayed. And so that was the first time that I like knew anything was going on. And I talked with him about like this, like you need to talk to somebody about this. Like, I'm not okay with this. This is not acceptable. Like, like, all of this kind of stuff. And at the time we had been, at the beginning of the year, we had decided that we wanted to buy a house because we were in like a financial, a good financial situation. And like the housing market (laughs) in 2020 was a beautiful um, housing market. And so we had found a house and we were actually under contract on a home. And so all of this happened and literally like three weeks later we bought a house. And I don't regret it at all because I have the house now. (laughs) But at the time I was like, what in the hell am I doing? Like, I'm not only like, now I'm like, like I'm married to this person, but now I'm like financially tied to this person. Like before I hadn't been financially tied to him at all. And so we bought the house. His family was allowed to come over, but mine wasn't. He didn't want my parents to come over, which is silly because it's like three blocks down from my parents' house. Um, and his parents lived in Washington, but his parents could come over whenever they wanted. Mine weren't allowed. Um we started like remodeling the house kind of. We like he, he his brother came and lived with us for a little while, which was not a decision that I had made. Although I do love that brother still to this day. Um but he like came and lived with us and I was like, "Okay, like if he's living here and working, like he should be paying some rent." Like He doesn't have to pay like a lot of money, but he should be living like he's not living here for free. And his dad, I remember his dad just screaming at me being like, I cannot believe that you would charge my son rent. And I'm like, he's living in my house. Like, and he's like, you don't do that to family. And I'm like, okay, well, you might not do that to family, but that doesn't mean that I can't. So in return... We decided like that he would help us remodel a couple of things with the house, like he he would put in some labor. So literally, like the snap of a hat, one day he tore apart our kitchen, and like because we were gonna redo the flooring in our kitchen, so our kitchen and then like a hallway into the bathroom, it's all connected, and so we were gonna lay down tile. Um, so he tore it all out. He like moved all the appliances into the living room. He took off the toilet, like everything, and literally hardly anything happened for weeks. I lived in that house without a back door or a toilet for close to a month and a half. And we didn't have a second bathroom. We had a single bathroom. So like anytime I had to go to the bathroom, I went up to my parents' house. That luckily was not very far, but like, I didn't even shower there because it was like, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have to go to the bathroom. So I would just I literally ended up just going to my parents' house and I just kind of camped out partially there (laughs) and like showered and went to the bathroom and I'd go to work and I'd come home and I'd have to go to the bathroom again. So I'd have to go to my mom's house and like use the bathroom. And then I didn't have a kitchen either because all the appliances were removed. So it was like just dysfunction. And like, I feel like that was the breaking point. Well, heck, there's a lot of breaking points, but that was like when I started breaking completely. He started criticizing everything I did. I didn't do the laundry right. I didn't do it often enough. He didn't have clothes that he needed. I didn't fold the laundry correctly. He told me I didn't mop correctly once we got our flooring down. Like, I had to do it on my hands and knees. And I was like, screw that. God created a mod f- mop for a reason. <laughs> but, and he'd always be like, but that's not the way my, my mom does it. And I'm like, I don't give a shit what your mom does. Like, this is my house. I'm not your mom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or like, I had to dust every single Saturday. And I was expected to wake up every Saturday and like dust and clean the house, make sure everything was done. And he just slept the whole time.
0: I was going to say, what the crap was he doing? Yeah. Like if you want on the hands and knees mopping, you get on your hands and knees mop the floor. Yeah, right? And I told him (laughs) that.
2: Like that was the fight that we had. And truthfully, I never mopped the floor because I was like, I did it once and I was like, I'm not doing that again. Mm -hmm. Like if I bought like like a nice mop and I was like, I'm going to mop with this. If you would like it mopped somewhat a different way, then you can do it. But he didn't do it, so we just we never mopped the floor. And at that point, like, I was, like, standing my own ground, like, no, I'm not doing this. So I was like, okay, whatever. Like, guess we won't have them floor mopped. Like, and it got, it, like, I mean, I would clean it every now and then, like, when things happened. But I was like, no, like, that's not my responsibility. And so, like, that's when I he started spiraling because he was losing control mm-hmm. because I was like finding and like realizing like this isn't okay like i'm not okay anymore i'm not okay to live like this anymore and so that's when i then also started fighting back and so like fights got worse and things got worse because i was like screw you like no i'm not okay with this but yeah so like literally all of that and once again like we had been in the house for a couple of months He, we were on our bed doing like just talking and he had gotten up and left and his phone was there and his phone was open and it wasn't locked. So what do you do? I got on his phone and I looked at everything and I found conversations and images and just everything. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing again. I was like, what is this? And he just justified it. And for some reason I was okay with it. And I don't know why, but I was so. I mean he'd go to work at like five AM, come home seven, eight, nine PM. Like, I mean, he was working full time and going to school full time, getting his master's degree. And so he would always he'd say that he'd go to like Starbucks in the morning and do his homework or something. And I'm like, Why can't you just do it here? Like, I'm not awake at five. Like you can just use our internet. But like, I had no clue where he was. And you know what, I honestly think that I don't think that he was actually seeing somebody. I could be wrong. I think that it was all online, but like, whatever, it still was like, I mean, there was still stuff going on. And I mean, like he'd come home from work and he would go straight to his office. He wouldn't talk to me. And I'd be like, can you just like come and say hello? And like, give me a kiss on the cheek even like, how was your day? Like, I'm also working full time, like." So like, why can't we like do this together? Like, I understand that you have so much going on between like work and stuff, but like, let's like try something. And it just was always no. And I mean, that's kind of like towards the end of 2020 was when like things started getting actually like physically abusive between us. Um, he never threw like a punch or anything. He never hit me, but he would like push me on the ground or shove me on the bed to get out of the way. And, or he'd throw things, but he didn't really throw them at me and he wouldn't throw them at me, but like he would huck things. Like he threw our toaster on the ground one day or he threw like a glass cup at the wall one day. And so it wasn't like he was being physically abusive a hundred percent towards me, but like it was getting bad, like very physical. And at one point he threw a cup of water on me and then he hucked the cup at the wall. And like, this is towards the end of 2020. And I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm through with this shit. Like, I'm not okay with this. And so, um, I actually called the cops on him and I was like, Like this is what happened. Like my spouse is being irate and they came and like he was so mad and embarrassed that I had called the cops on him. He was like laying on the ground in his office. Like I wrote it down. He like was laying on the ground acting like he was hyperventilating. Like, like he was in this like crazy scary situation and like so like the cops came in and we he was talking to me and he's like is everything okay like what's going on and i i mean at that point it probably i mean it took him a a little while to get there not super duper long but i was like i had calmed down at that point and so i was like well it wasn't like that big of a deal and like he just he did not say a word to the police officers and like, at one point, the, one of the police officers took me into the other room and like, the other guy was talking to him. And like, all I could, he, he wouldn't talk to him. And he was like, I need you to respond to like X, Y, and Z. Like, you gotta talk about these things. Like, if you're not gonna talk to me, then I'm gonna have to take you in. Like, you have to talk to me about certain questions and situations. And so, like, he finally talked with him. I talked with the other police officer and he was like, maybe you guys should go to counseling. Like, you guys, like, things should not get physical between the two of you. He was like, things can be hard and like as spouses, you guys can fight, but it should never be physical. And so like, we kind of, I mean, the police officers talked to us for a while and then they just kind of left. But like, it just, he, we were spiraling together at that point because I was gaining control of the situation and he was losing control of the situation. And because of like how narcissistic he was, like, if he wasn't in control, it was like end game. And at that point, like I said, I was, I was, I was done. And so it was like, I wasn't dealing with the stuff like I had before. I wasn't dealing with the fact that he wanted me to mop the floor on my hands and knees. I just told him no, and I didn't do it. Or I wasn't dealing with the way that he criticized that I did laundry. So I just didn't do his laundry. It was like, hey, if you don't like the way I do it, then I won't do it. And then he'd yell at me because he didn't have clothes. And I was like, well, that really sucks. Like, it sounds like a personal problem. Like, And so I got, like, bitter and mad. And, like, at the beginning of 2021, well, at the very end of 2021, he actually won Employee of the Year at his job, which was crazy to me. But he was pretty good at work. Like, he definitely, like, put on a show for, like, people at work. But, like, not – anything like that at home. Like he definitely had like a show personality. And then like three weeks into 2021, he got fired from that same job because of he screamed at somebody like a customer on the phone. And so he literally went like, I feel like that's kind of his breaking point and like really the turn of our relationship because he went from like really kind of having things together and like being okay, winning employee of the year to being fired. And that's like when things got really, really, really hard. He pushed me down again one day and I had already called the cops once and it didn't work. And so I called my dad and my dad came down and it was really bad. He had barricaded himself into a room. My dad was trying to... Truthfully, my dad was trying to beat the shit out of him. But he couldn't get through the door. And, like, my dad was screaming at him. He was just, like... at that moment, I truthfully feel like he was going through some PTSD because of the way that his dad had treated him. So he like retreated into like basically a little kid. Like he was sobbing uncontrollably. So then like, I got my dad calmed down and I asked my dad to leave. And like, then I had to deal with the way that he was acting because then I felt bad because it was like, I had put him into a situation that, was rude not no that's not true i'm not going to say that i had put him into a situation that he didn't want to be in and because i'm a decent person i felt bad and i was like i'm sorry that i got my dad involved like this shouldn't have been what happened or what not and what not and we just kind of moved on i
1: have to interrupt i feel like you're saying that but that's not true <laughs> you did not put him in that situation. Mm-hmm. He did.
2: That's true. You
1: know, and and that's another of those tactics, like you felt that guilt. Oh, 100%. You know, but he caused that. Mm-hmm. You didn't cause that. And so that's another thing. You took that on. You carried that, that mm-hmm. weight of that guilt and that, oh, shoot, now you know, um, but you didn't cause that. He mm-hmm. did. And I just want you to know that. Well, thank you. It's true.
2: Yeah. I mean, his actions are what escalated into that, like, moment.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's one thing I think that some people, like, who, I don't know, are a certain type of way, they don't realize their actions have a rippling effect. They're Mm -hmm. like, my actions just have to do with me. No, your actions, like, it's a rippling effect. It affects everyone around you to a degree. Mm -hmm. And then we have to do what we have to do for ourselves. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, I feel like that moment was like the really honestly kind of the end of everything Mm -hmm. or the beginning of the end. So that was in 2021. to last year, I mean, he didn't talk to my family at all after that, really.
1: Why do you think he had that divide? He never wanted to talk to your family. He didn't want him to come over. Was that his own protection? Do you think?
2: Probably. I think that he knows that he was like in the wrong in every situation. And so like, if he was ignoring people that could really see and understand me, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, and
1: call him out on what he was doing. Right. wrong. Well, and you
2: exactly. said, it's like a show, like yeah. he puts on
1: a show
0: and yeah. he probably knew he couldn't do it. He all couldn't the time do with it. Them. They would figure it out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like they saw the like hurt in me, and so like they would ask me like what is going on like why is this happening and like it did get to the point where like he would say things to me and like my uh middle sister would call him out on it and be like don't say that to my sister Mm -hmm. like don't say that that's rude or don't treat her that way Mm -hmm. um and like just there's so many things that happened So many stories that I, I mean, I could go on for hours and hours about like situations and things that happened, but like, I mean, he was definitely trying to seclude me from my family. Okay. Luckily I, I mean, I know that my parents and my sisters would say that I stepped back, but I never stepped away. I probably did step back a couple of steps because it was like, well, it's easier if I don't, engage in like that sort of, hmm, how do I word this? Like if I, I don't know exactly how to word this. Like if I, it would cause issues. There was like a ripple effect. So if I like did this with my family and then I'd come home with him, I would just, it would just cause a fight. And so it was like, I'm just not going to do that because then it's not going to cause this big fight. Mm -hmm. And so I, like, there was certain situations that I 100% stepped back in. I was still pretty good to, like, be open. I mean, through this all, Danny knows. I talked to Danny through the whole situation. So, Danny knew everything that was going on. And, like, I know since, like, talking with Danny, like, she never told my parents what was going on. But she always would tell my dad, like, things are a lot worse than you guys think. Mm. Like, she's not okay. And like I'm grateful for the confidence that I had in Danny because I could talk to her and not worry that it would go anywhere I think it was easiest for me to talk to Danny because she lived across across the country. She was in New York. She didn't have to like deal with the day-to-day with him. All she had to do was see him maybe once a year. And so I could be a hundred percent honest with her and I didn't want people to see me broken. I didn't want my family to know I was hurting. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I was putting on a good, like a good front, but like my mom and my other sister and my dad are not dumb. They saw right through it. And like when people, when, when people outside of my family started seeing through it and like people, it started affecting my work and like people asking me at work, like, "Are you okay? Like, are you in a good place?" That's when, like, right around this time, right around the beginning of twenty twenty one, is when I was like, "Like, I'm not okay anymore. Like, I am completely broken." This is when I started going to therapy, and I like, like, I, I just, I could didn't see myself anymore. I'd look in the mirror, and I didn't see my, I didn't see Courtney. I saw like a broken person who was just sad and depressed and literally like stomped on and just flattened. And that's not who I am. Like I am a happy person. I love to be happy. I love to have fun. I love to like just be with people that I know and love. And I wasn't like that anymore. And so once I realized that in myself through therapy and just through time was when I was like, I'm ready to be done. So in the beginning of, so yeah. So in May of 2021, I went to St. George with Kenzie, his best friend. So she had moved here at the time. So she now lives in Logan actually. And Kenzie and I, are still best friends to this day. And um, her and I had planned a girl's trip to go down to St. George. And so we went to St. George and I don't remember this, but she told me, she's told me since later that that is, she's like the way that you started talking that weekend changed everything. Cause she said, you went from saying him and I want to get divorced to when him and I get divorced. And I didn't even notice it. And she she's like since then she's told me that and i took a picture of myself because i was crying while i was there i know that him and i were fighting and about something through like text message and i took a picture of myself that weekend and it says on it, it says today's the day that i decided to get divorced and it was in may of 2021 and i without even realizing I literally went from saying if to when and that's when I knew that I was done, but I wasn't sure of the timing and all of that kind of stuff. So I went through like therapy again. That's when I started talking to my therapist about um, like him and I'm at that point it was like, I don't want to meet with him. Like I'm ready to get, like, I want to get divorced. So like figuring out, like going through all of the steps of that, I did try a couple more times for him to come to therapy, but he refused to. And I started pulling away. And really like, that's when I started gaining my voice, like really, really gaining my voice and he lost control and he just spiraled out of control. He had gotten another job and he had gotten fired again. And, um, like everything we had gone that that summer we went to his parents house for a family reunion and we were walking out of the house to go do something and i had said i don't know we were talking his mom and his sister and him and i were standing in the kitchen and he had said something to me and he called me fat in front of them Mm -hmm. and his i like started sobbing ran out of the house and his sister chewed him like a new butthole and was like, you do not talk to your wife that way. Like this is your wife. Like you should not talk to her like that. And luckily like his siblings, the ones that, so like for a moment, his little brother lived with us for like just a couple of weeks. That sister had lived with us too. And anytime that they were around, like, and something happened, they always were like, why would you, why are you treating her this way? Like, You are literally just doing exactly what our dad has done to our mom or like, that's your wife. Like, why would you treat her so disrespectfully? And so like, I feel so grateful that his family at least stood up for me in those situations. But like, so we were going to the mall and like I was walking in and I was still crying and his dad had come up to me and was like, Hey court, like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And he said to his dad, like, just leave her alone. She's just a crybaby, Anyways. And I lost it. I was like, I'm done. And I turned around and I walked and I was in the, mo- in the parking lot and I just walked away. Mm-hmm. And Kenzie's, so Kenzie's from Washington, his best friend. She lives, she lives in Utah, right? But her parents lived in Washington. And I literally almost called her mom, like, come and pick me up. Like, I'm done. I'm going to fly home. And I like sat out in the parking lot on this grass under this tree and his dad followed me and he talked with me, and I told his dad everything. I, like, told him that we were never intimate, that he yelled at me, that he screamed at me, that he, like, did all of this kind of stuff, and I, like, just played it, laid it all out on the line, and his dad was, like, like, I'm really sorry, like, I mean, have you guys thought about maybe getting divorced, and, like, all of this kind of stuff, and the somebody, I don't know who it was, but there was a, a red car that had driven by two or three times. And I guarantee you that that car called the cops because the police actually came over and like came and talked with me to make sure that I was okay. And eventually he came out, my ex came out of the mall and like the three of us. So his dad and I and him were talking and he, his dad went away and like we started talking and he was like, we can make things better. Like it's okay. Like, and he's like retreating everything and like trying to like make up for everything that just happened. But I was, I was so done at that moment. And so I ended up staying and I went home and the very next month in August. So like a month later was the day that I decided to get divorced. Like actually like a hundred percent, like went to my family It was a Sunday and he had gone to listen to Kenzie talk in church. And I had been out the night before with some friends and stayed up pretty late. And Kenzie had said that she didn't want anybody to go listen to her. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to go, but he didn't care. So he went and listened to her anyways. And uh, on his way home, he called and was like, my mom is in American Falls at his sister's house. And he's like, she just came up for the weekend and she wants us to go to dinner. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not ready. Like I just woke up and he was like, well, we're leaving in like five minutes. And I was like, okay, where are you? And he's like, I'm almost there. And I was like, okay. So I like get up and I'm like going to the bathroom. He comes into the house and he's like, we have to leave. And I was like, okay, like I need like five minutes. Like, like I can get ready in the car, but like let me change and like get new clothes on and stuff. And I like, I'm not kidding you, within like, Two or three minutes, I, like, changed my underwear, put new clothes on, put my shoes on, and I walked out, and he had left. Mm. And I called him, and I was like, where in the hell are you? And he was like, I told you we were leaving. And I was like, I told you I needed, like, two minutes. Like, I'm ready. Like, I just, all I had to do was put deodorant on. Like, I'm ready to go. And he was like, no, I told you that I was leaving. And I was like, okay, like, where are you? Like, are you still in Smithfield? And he was like, yeah, I'm just passing McDonald's. And I was like, can you turn around? And he's like, no. And I was like, okay. And so he just left and he went. And that day I called my my best friend Cassie and I told her what had happened. Now, mind you, I talked a little bit about Cassie at the beginning. Cassie is the one that I had called when I got engaged and she was like, not very excited for me. And honestly, throughout the last two years, Cassie and I really hadn't talked much. And so I had kind of at the beginning of the year, because she's actually the one that got me to go to therapy. Um, I had like, we had started rekindling our friendship and stuff. And so I called her and I was like, can you come over? Like, I'm not okay. And so she came over and she spent the whole day with me. It was like 10 AM. And that night he had to play the organ at our, at a fireside for our steak. He had been asked to play. And so he had to come home The fireside was at like five or six o'clock. And so like American Falls is just outside of um, Pocatello. So it's a little bit of a drive. And so like when he was coming home, he like had asked me to go with him. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And so like I had gotten ready and he like pulls into the driveway and Cassie's still there. And he like honks the horn, which is so disrespectful in my opinion, but whatever. So I walk out there and I get in the, the car and like we go to the fireside. And then we're walking out and there's two sister missionaries sitting outside, like after the fireside. And I looked at him and I was like, do you care if we give them a ride home? Like I like maybe I'll ask them if they need a ride or something. And he was like, absolutely not. And I was like, okay. So like we go and get in the truck and I was like, like, is there a reason that you didn't want to give them a ride? And he was like, they're sister missionaries. They would have, they had a ride a hundred percent. And I was like, I was once a sister missionary and I didn't always have a ride home. And like, I felt like I should ask them. And he was like, if, and I was like, I was like, I had a feeling that I should ask them. And he was like, if, if they needed a ride home, like the spirit would have told me. And I was like, what the hell? Like the spirit told me, like, why does that matter? And that like caused a huge fight between us. And we're like fighting back and forth and like driving home. And I like got out of the, we were fighting in the truck. I like got to get out of the truck And I had the door open and I was standing in the driveway and I was like, I'm done. Like I'm done. I want a divorce. I'm done. And he tried to back the truck door into me and I went inside and we fought for probably another 20 or 30 minutes and I was done. I called Cassie again and I asked her to come pick me up and I just remember her coming and I just looked at her and I said, I'm done Cassie. I cannot do this anymore. And she was like, are you really done? And I was like, I'm really done. Like I'm through. I cannot. And we drove. I don't even know for how long. And I just sat in her arms and cried and just was like, I can't do this. I cannot be treated this way. I almost just got hit by a car. Like to what lengths am I going to let myself go through? And so she was like, we need to talk to your parents. And I was like, I don't want to talk to my parents. And she's like, I don't care if you don't want to talk to your parents, Courtney, like we have to talk to your parents. And my parents were at my sister Nikki's house who lives down in Syracuse. And I tried to call my mom, but she wouldn't answer. So I called, I texted Nikki and was like, Have mom and dad left yet? And she was like, No, but they're about to leave. And I said, Will you just let them know? Like, I need to talk to them when they get home. So I think at that moment, like, I never reached out like that. So, like, my parents knew. And Cassie's parents live just right down the road from my parents. And so she took me, she's like, Why don't we go talk to my mom? <laughs> like, let's just, let's try to do something. And so, we went into, we went to her parents' house. I walked in and I was bawling and I have a really good relationship with her parents. And her dad was like, where's the gun? Like, let's go right now. And I was like, no, it's okay. (laughs) Like, but, um, her mom just like held me in her arms and she's like, I don't know how to make this better. And I was like, I don't know how to make it better. And she was like, are you hungry? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, I'll make you mac and cheese and hot dogs. (laughs) So she literally ultimate comfort food. Yes. (laughs) So she made me mac and cheese and hot dogs and I mac and cheese and hot dogs until my parents got home, which was probably about an hour. And then Cassie took me to my mom's house and I told my, all I had to say, all I had to do was look at my dad and say, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't say a word more than that. And he said, okay. he said, let's do this. And my mom called a friend who is a paralegal and was like, who do we need to talk to? And literally the next day, my parents had called a divorce attorney and I met with him like the next week and like two or three, it was probably like two or three-ish weeks in between like when I met with an attorney and I've like served him papers and that was the hardest time for me because I didn't know how he would react. And so I didn't want him to know that I was filing because I was scared. I was scared of what he would do. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I felt like I lived a lie because I'd go home from work and I'd try really, I tried, I did like a lot of stuff with like my sister and her husband or like Cassie. And I like spent as little of time at home as I could. And truthfully, he didn't even care. Like he wasn't upset that I wasn't there. I don't even think he noticed. And then one day I had him served papers at work because I was like, I can't have him served at home because he won't answer the front door. He refused to answer the door. And I was like, I'm not going to answer the door and be like, the door's for you. Like, so I had him served at work and he, um, yeah, he was served. And that day, like my brother-in-law and my sister, Nikki had come to town because we really didn't know how he would react in that situation and what would happen. And so, plus like, I didn't want my dad to be put into a bad situation. And so it was just kind of like the more men around that we can have is probably the best. And I went home that night and he had moved all of his stuff downstairs and he was sleeping in the basement and I slept in our room. And I mean, so that happened and he was served in the big, like probably in September And I mean, we went through the divorce process really quickly because I was divorced at the beginning of November Mm. and it was a pretty, pretty simple process. I mean, he was really mad that I had hired an attorney, but like my dad was like, I'm not making you deal with this by yourself. And I can't tell you how vindicating it was like when he would say things to me and I'd look at him and I'd be like, if you'd like to continue talking to me, you can talk to my attorney. And I'd like walk the other way because we lived together through this all. Good for you. Mm -hmm. I love that. (laughs) I, I'm not kidding you. I don't know how many times I was like, because like my um, lawyer had given us like this sheet that was like, you guys need to, if you're going to be living together, you need to live amicably. Like you can't post about like negatively about each other on social media, like just a bunch of different things. Like, like you have to live well with each other. And so anytime he'd like barely raise his voice, I'd be like, I don't like the way that you're talking to me. And he'd be like, he'd like then continue to raise his voice and I'll be like, if you continue talking to me like this, I will call the cops on you or I will call my attorney. And at that moment, like I have never felt so much like power in my life. Like I feel like a boss. Like <laughs> I did not, I did not let him belittle me. I did not like anything. It was literally so many times, at least 10 or 15 times. I'd say to him, if you continue talking like this, I will have to reach out to my attorney. And he just like retreated into a shell. He had nothing. He had no power over me at that moment. And yeah, I mean, we live, so we got divorced at the, it was eleven eleven, So we got divorced on like our divorce was final that day. Last year, it's been over a year now. And, um, he had until the 1st of December to be out of the home. We had worked through everything and luckily I was able to, to get the home and the divorce. And, um, he ended up leaving just right before Thanksgiving. And we've had a couple of interactions between then. Not a lot. He randomly showed up at my work one day this year and my sister called the cops on him. My sister, Danny, that lived in New York, who now lives in Kansas. I had texted her and I was like, he just showed up at my branch. And she was like, what and we were talking back and forth he owed me a little bit of money and so i think that that's why he, well i know that that's why he came in which it's 2022 why the hell wouldn't you not just like venmo me <laughs> <laughs> like like he just needed to see it. it was like oh it gosh. was like a hundred dollars like it, at this point i didn't i just wish people could see her face when she told <laughs> us that like <laughs> Oh, and so you're hundred percent right. Like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh! And so, like, I was talking to Danny, and like, he's here, and I stopped talking to her because he had stepped into my office. But one of my my employees, I was open with my employees about the situation, and one of my employees, when he came in, she literally came and sat in my office. And she's like, I'm not leaving. Like, I will be in here with you in case something happens. So she sat with me the whole time, and he never, like, came into my office. He just stood at the door. And Danny hadn't heard from me for, like, probably five minutes. And so she called the cops because she was worried. Mm -hmm. And the cops came and escorted him out and asked him to leave. And that is the last – that was in April. That's the last time I've talked with him since then. But, yeah, I feel like (sighs) – that's part of my story mm-hmm. and everything that I've been through, like, it's such a whirlwind. <laughs> it's so crazy to think about.
1: Yeah. How do you feel? I mean, once those papers are signed and you're free, you're divorced, he you moves out, you have your house, you have your career. How did that feel? Did you feel like you conquered something really hard? Did you feel really alone? How did all of those, I'm sure you felt all alone. All of that. How did that look for you?
2: Um, I felt like a million dollars. So through therapy, something that I had talked with my therapist about was like writing my own story and like making sure that people knew my story from my story and not just like assumptions of what had happened. And so like the day that I got divorced, I posted about it on social media and was like, this is what happened. It sucked. But like I'm free and I'm happy And, um, so like, I felt so much like freedom. I felt like I had lost or like a thousand pounds was like lifted off my shoulders. Like, um, I just felt so relieved because I didn't have to deal with it anymore. And like, I look at pictures of myself in like these times and I look at a picture of myself now and I like can see it in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Like I can see the difference of like how weighted and sad and really just broken. I was Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize it at the time, but like looking back now I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that I'm out of that situation. And I'm grateful that I had the people that helped me get out of that situation. One of the things that my therapist first talked to me about was a support system. She's like, If you're going to go through this, like you need to make sure you have a good support system. And I literally remember looking at her being like, oh, I have no need to worry about that. Like I have so many people in my corner that like I could call on so many different people and I'd be just fine. And so like I think about like Danny and my best friend Cassie and my best friend Kenzie. Kenzie Kenzie and I are still best friends to this day. In fact, she doesn't talk to him anymore. And my favorite running joke is that I want her in the custody battle. (laughs) And, like, those people literally got me through hell and have helped me become who I am again today.
1: Yeah. You're an incredible person. What advice do you have to somebody... Going through something similar, whether it's domestic violence or, like, spousal abuse or n- like living with a narcissist or you know, like just everything he was. Yeah. If someone was struggling through that, what was your top advice you would give them?
2: I think the biggest, like, my two top advices would be like, don't, don't put like all of their problems on yourself. Mm-hmm and like realize that it's them that's the issue and it's not you. Cause for a long time I thought it was me. And then the second one is don't be afraid to talk to people, whether it's your support system or just people that you like need. Um, like those people literally pulled me out of a deep hole and like helped me to become who I am today. And like for me, I've been lucky and blessed enough to have a good support system that, like, something that I always post on social media is, like, if you don't have that support system, like, reach out to somebody who has been through a similar situation and, like, like lean on me. Like, if somebody's going through that right now, reach out to me. I've helped, like, two or three women that I went to high school with that have reached out and had. Not the same thing, but similar situations and like just been like a, like a listening ear because <clears throat> nobody's going to judge you, especially people that have been through that situation. Nobody will judge you for anything that mm-hmm. you have to say.
1: And I feel like a lot of times, especially for myself, I am my own worst enemy. Oh, a hundred percent. I put situations like that have not even happened into my own head Yeah, and I think they're going to happen or they are happening. And then I like have a panic attack about it. Yeah. And it's not even real. So sometimes having a sounding board with a support system or someone you can trust or love, like, and just like telling them what you're feeling or thinking and they can say no or like help you like realize the truth behind it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many times have I Markled Kelsey? Like the stupidest thing. She's like, Whitney, no. <laughs> because it's my in my own head. Yeah. And so I think what you're trying to say is like you're holding on to all these things and blaming yourself for yeah. his issues. And it sounds like in your head, it's valid. It's true. Oh, yeah. But until you like bounce that on someone else or like, you know, say it mm-hmm. out loud mm-hmm. to somebody, then they can like help you realize the truth and say, Courtney, no, this is not true. That's mm-hmm. him. It's not you, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's really important sometimes to be vulnerable and just find that person that you can talk with and trust and you know let them tell you the truth even if it hurts
2: oh yeah and it did hurt like the so i talked to danny always through my whole situation eventually i opened up to kenzie and eventually i opened up to cassie cassie really was the person that like made it real for me Mm -hmm. like because she was not afraid to like say everything that hurt But then she also was the person that, like, she literally found my therapist. She, lit like, drug me to therapy. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's the other thing, I guess. Go to therapy. Therapy is literally, like, the best thing in the whole wide world. And it takes time sometimes to find a good therapist and to find somebody that you relate with. So don't be afraid, like, if it's the first time, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. But, like, eventually it will be good. And, like, that's what helped me find my inner strength. I couldn't have done it without my therapist. Like I could not have done it without her help to be like, to realize who I am and what I deserve.
1: Yeah. How did you, let's talk about that. You said you lost yourself. How do you think you found yourself after? Did that take some time to build Courtney back?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I think one of the, one of my, one of the things that I've been able to find myself through is actually sharing my story, being able to like, feel liberated of what I went through and, like, say to people, like, like, don't get me wrong. I had parts of, like, our marriage that I definitely made difficult too, But, like, being able to be, like, I wasn't the problem. I wasn't the issue. And I, was, I felt like I was the issue for so long that to be able to finally be, like, no, like, I'm okay. I'm healthy. I'm in a good place. And this still isn't working. Like, I knew at that point that I was, I wasn't the issue. And that was so freeing and that definitely helped me. I, I knew that like at first when I talked to my therapist, I knew that I had to try every single thing and know like beyond a shadow of a doubt that I wanted to get divorced before I could just be done. Because I mean, religion plays a huge aspect in this. I mean, I was sealed to him and I made a commitment with God that I would be with him forever and I mean, a covenant is a covenant between you and your spouse and God. But like, if your spouse is not holding up their end of it, then it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And I mean, God will still bless you and all of that kind of stuff. But I mean, I just had to realize that I wasn't in a marriage. I was in an abusive, not even relationship. I was in an abusive situation that I was just manipulated and forced into being somebody's punching bag.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I kind of want to add too, like when you're talking, when you were talking through your whole story and you would talk about, um, like the moment you sat and cried like on your honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think a big thing too, that I have learned through like my trial, right. Mm-hmm. Um, to get out of your head, like drop into your body, listen to your body. Like you shouldn't be crying. Yeah, that much. Right. Like you're, well, you especially should on your honeymoon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So like to take, get out of your own head, like, like calm the noise. It's confusing. There's mm-hmm. too much going on in there. Like, listen to yourself. Like this is not okay. Like whatever I'm rationalizing in my head is not right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not okay. This yeah. situation's not okay. My body, I have anxiety. I I'm depressed. I don't feel good. Like,
2: I don't know. I think that's important. Yes. Your, your body yes. has like a physical reaction to everything too. Yes. yes. And I was definitely listening to like the mental reaction of mm-hmm. everything. Yes. And like, if you, if I did, if I would have taken a step back, I would have seen all of the physical things that were happening mm-hmm. to me. Right. Cause your body does change because of yeah. those yes keeps and the score yes yep. and my yeah. favorite
0: part I don't know if you noticed in your story but like I'm such a visual person so you talk and I visualize I picture your story right and I could see where you were just like done
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it was way before you even like said it in your story mm-hmm. like you were done you're like nope And you would say, I cannot deal with this, but I really think in you, you were like, I will not deal with this. I will not do it. Yeah. It's not that I can't do it. I will not do it.
2: Yeah. I will not be treated this way.
1: That's
0: one thing I've been learning
1: in therapy. I've been doing EMDR and I, it's so (laughs) hard for the faint of heart. (laughs) Yeah. But I've also been learning like my neurological and head reaction to everything mm-hmm. versus my physical reaction. Yeah. And we talk about that a lot like how where am I feeling that in my body and yeah. what does it look like what does it feel like and how do I get rid of it kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. But in those moments, of course, you don't realize that until no. you learn that, you know what I right. mean? So looking back it's always 2020. Yes. But it's just like gosh, now you have mm-hmm. those tools, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to keep them in your toolbox for future. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're in those situations Like Kelsey said, you can ground yourself, take your head out of it. What is your body feeling? What's it telling you to fight or, you know? And I also say that
0: for like listeners, right? Like somebody who's listening to you and they're like, oh my gosh, like they're relating to your story. They have something going on in their life that is so similar to your story.
2: That's why I'm saying that too, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I don't know. That's such a good thing to to
1: recognize. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Well, the fight or flight mechanism is like, I mean, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. and like your body goes through it whether or not you're you're mentally going through it. yes yeah. yeah and so yeah
1: yeah and the amount of times that you you know kind of like I, I just lost the word I was going to say but how many times you had a red flag mm-hmm. and you would just push it away or like make an excuse for it, or he made excuse for it and you guys just reconciled and it was okay yeah you know like Before, like, the big fight when you thought you were going to get engaged and, you know, um, just the ways that he would treat you or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And even just when your dad came over to, like, to talk to him, you know, and you just kind of like, it's all right, we'll figure it out. And you just, like, pushed it aside. Mm -hmm. You know, those are all just, like, those mechanisms of, like, survival. Oh, yeah. You know, we just want to make the situation better right now because it's hard to face hard things. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, you know 100%.
1: Yeah. And just life experience and the tools that you can learn through therapy or through whatever mm-hmm. just is so helpful to know how to handle those in the future.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that But 100%. it is harder said than oh, done. 100%. Like, yeah. <laughs> it took me three years yeah. to get to that. Like, but yeah. even, that's what I'm
1: saying. Like, even if you know those tools, yeah. it's still hard to yes. put them in place. Oh, it's still hard to have yeah. a boundary. It's still hard to, like, stand up for yourself mm-hmm. or put your foot
0: down. Mm-hmm. You and know, you still get com- like I'll still get confused and then I'll rethink uh-huh. about a scenario and I'm like, "Wait." Yeah. <laughs> you like go like, through yeah. the steps again. You're like, yeah. yes. "I
2: did that wrong." I got to yes. back up a second. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, take your head out. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Mm-hmm.
1: Life's a trip, man. <laughs> yeah,
2: it is. It is 100%. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, what does
2: like life look like now? Life I am in the happiest situation that I've ever been in, in my life. I am dating somebody who we've actually been dating. So we started dating at like the beginning of January. So literally like two months after I got divorced, I never would have expected that. I wasn't even really looking for somebody, but it just kind of happened. And I am so happy. I am in I'm so blessed and lucky to be in such a good relationship who I can talk with him about literally anything and everything that I've been through. And he just listens and he works through things. And like, I mean, I'm still dealing with some trauma and PTSD and stuff like that. And so like, if I'm like, this situation is really hard for me, he'll be like, okay, let's work through it. And like, we work through it. And like, we're going to therapy together because, not because we need it necessarily right now, but in the future, potentially there's things that like I've been through that will resurface and I've got to figure out how to like be able to handle them in that situation with him. And I, I'm so happy. I really am. He is the light of my life and I love him so much. So I'm in a good place. You can just see it all over her face. (laughs) And you're a different
0: person too, which is, you know, also such an amazing thing that you, you're a different person. You went through some crap, you learned a lot of lessons and you're with him now. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's so much of my story that I feel like I've forgotten that I don't think about. Um, I mean, that comes from like from trauma, but it Mm -hmm. also comes from like a lot of healing through therapy and stuff. And I just am so grateful that I've, feel like I've finally been able to like move on from the situation. Like I don't really think about what happened to me a ton anymore. Um, but at the same time, because I went through this and I've been able to come out on top, I think it's important for me to share my story. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, like, I wanted to come on the talk with you guys on the podcast or like why I'm so willing to share about it um on social media like it's it's not easy to be and vulnerable about everything that you're going through and and to like <laughs> tell the world like i'm still a virgin like that's part of me and that's part of my story and that could be embarrassing but at the same time like it is part of me it's mm-hmm. part of who i am and if i had to go through it all over again to be how happy and how healthy i feel right now i would do it because i'm in such a good place and I just am so excited to see what the future holds. I'm so excited for
0: you. <laughs> yeah. That
2: was one of my questions I was gonna ask if you would
0: if you would do it again to be who you are today.
2: I mean, I would I would do it begrudgingly. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> because right? it was hard and I yes. don't want to have to do that again. But like everything that I've learned and who I am today, mm-hmm. I'm a better person. Yeah. In every single aspect of my life. And so, you know what? You become oddly grateful for what mm-hmm. happened and yes. And like just for the strength, like like I know who I am. I found myself through all of this. And it's not that I didn't know who I was before, but like like I don't deal with crap anymore. Like I am a yeah. strong, independent woman and I can I can be me and I can be who I am and not be afraid to like, I don't feel like I have to change for anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's the biggest thing is like, I've like, I'm just happy. I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm just so happy. But you
1: can see it on your face. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really powerful thing through healing Mm -hmm. is, um, on the other side of it, being grateful for what you learned and what you went through in spite of it. It was Mm -hmm. hard. It's terrible. But look who it molded me to be. Yeah. You know, it's like the caterpillar to the butterfly. Like it gets ugly, you know, and then it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And even though we hate our trials and our trauma, I am who I am today because of what I've gone through in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something I do have to recognize and be grateful for. Might not like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, but I can hold space for it and I can recognize it and honor it. And be so proud of me. Mm-hmm. And so I just want you to know how proud of you we are. We are so proud of you for who you've become and who you are. And and like you said, for sharing your story publicly and on social media, because I'm sure while you were going through this, you felt alone.
2: Oh, 100%.
1: You can't relate to the neighbors that have a great marriage or to your parents who have a great marriage or your sisters, you know, like you're alone because this is what your marriage looks like. But once you started sharing, how many people did you connect with that said, wow, thank you so much. I'm going through something similar. Mm -hmm. And I needed to hear that. So so many people. There's a community out there that tells me and Kilti the same thing through what we do, through what we share. Um, And so I think sometimes um, other people have this other perspective. But for us that are going through all the similar things, it's just such a great tool that we have in this day and age to share with each other. Yeah. You know, and so I just love that you're passionate about sharing your story and, you know, just being able to relate with others. And like you said, you're there if they need you or whatever. That's such a beautiful thing. Yeah.
2: Well, it's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I'm a very spiritual, religious person. And I believe that God gives us things that we might not want to be able to handle, but we can. And he gives them to us so that we can help others with it. Yeah. And I feel like it would be a disservice to really myself if I if I didn't share what what I learned and who I am today yeah I like that
0: you too um tell us how you're making lemonade with your lemons
2: um I feel like the biggest thing for me is right now is helping others being able to have conversations with women who are struggling this in the same situation and like letting them know you're not alone like you can do this it's hard and there's times that like You literally don't feel like you're going to make it. I mean, I can't, there's countless amount of times that like I contemplated hurting myself and doing a lot of bad things to myself, but like, just because you're that low doesn't mean that you can't be high again. And I feel like for me right now, the best way to, to be able to be myself is to help others. No, that's perfect.
0: That's why we're here, right? You know, that's why you're here so yes I I appreciate you coming and telling your story
2: well thank you thank you for having me of
1: course you are an amazing human thank you for sharing and thank you everybody for listening For listening to this week's episode, make sure to leave us a rate and review wherever you are listening. You also email us at making lemonadepodcast1
0: at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at making lemonade.podcast or Facebook at making lemonade with wit and kills. You can also find out more about my foundation, Bain's Legacy, at facebook and instagram at baines legacy and www.baineslegacy.com and you can find out more about my foundation you can find us on social
1: media at Tough, and our website is tttough.org.